Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another edition of This Is Wrestling. I am your host, as always, Roy Turner. Uh, hey, man, this summertime has just been so uh, a crazy, crazy time for wrestling. And what a crazy week to be in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, you know, we or even in Texas, for that matter. You know, we, we welcome the fans back at uh, SmackDown on uh, July the 18th. Uh, and then, of course, we were at Money in the Bank in Fort Worth on the 20th. And at Raw in Dallas the next night on the 21st. And just like two days later, AEW, the new kid on the block. Actually, they've been doing it for a couple years now. And they are making a big, big noise. Uh, brought their Fighter Fest, which is kind of a fun little knock, not on... Um, I, I can't even remember what it was called. I know it was like Fight Fest or... or um, you know, that, that, that douchebag... They tried to throw that that music festival with Ja Rule in the Bahamas. I can't believe it. I, I I don't remember what it was called, but it was there was two documentaries on it. It was great. Anyway, it's even it's got the same kind of like spelling and and lettering and and iconography and stuff. So it's a, it's a little dig at that. They did it in two parts. They did it the week prior or two weeks prior. Um, I'm sorry, I should, I should say one week earlier uh, on July the fourteenth. Uh, in Houston, right outside of Houston in Cedar Park. And a week later, they bring it, again, their debut right outside of Dallas uh, in Garland, uh, Texas. So they're not quite hitting the main markets yet, but with God, with this momentum they got going on, it'll, it's only a matter of time. Uh, as a matter of fact, they're returning already to the same building, uh, the Caldwell uh, building there in Garland, Texas, right outside of Dallas, uh, coming up on... December the 15th, uh, which should be another, uh, should be like a dynamite uh, um, taping and all that that kind of fun stuff. But uh, that's what we should say here. Fighter Fest wasn't actually like like a pay-per-view. It was just kind of a, a special uh, episode of Dynamite. But what I did not know going into this was how long the taping was. Man, those fans really got their money's worth. Uh, for all that they delivered, because um, when I arrived, right, they said it was going to start, I think, at like 6 o'clock or something. I had already had missed like three matches that are just some like local tryouts or something. Because uh, some of the names were some of the, the, the that I'd heard later were people that I've called matches for. So I knew they were local talent, but still would like to have seen. I think they were all women's matches, and I, which was my favorite. I wish I would have seen those. Then I think they did a whole thing of, I don't know, some other type of taping before we got to the Dynamite taping. And then after that was the AEW Dark um, Elevation, which is kind of like their, kind of like, you know, they're, they're kind of like their B-show. Uh, this is before, the, you know, they've launched Rampage, which is coming up. But it's kind of like their online thing. Um, it's I guess you would kind of call it their their NXT or you know more of the up and comers type kind of thing. They have their own little thing going on, uh, which which featured actually most of the wrestlers that I wanted to see was on that. The neat thing, however, was that, um, or I guess I would say the dilemma was I was planning on the show ending like a typical thing. It starts at six, maybe be done by nine, like a three hour show, which is more than enough. And I'm not complaining, man. That's so cool. Uh, but I, cause I was going out to see Faster Pussycat, the rock and roll band way out in Fort Worth, about an hour from, from Garland, if there was no traffic. 
And they were going on, I think, at around 11 o'clock. And this thing was still going at like 10 o'clock. And I was like, man, alive. This is a long, I mean, I mean I'm not kidding. I think the show was like five and a half hours. Like it was like a WrestleMania with, in terms of length uh, and so many, so many matches. <clears throat> uh, so this Fighter Fest, like I said, actually, I should say it was the third annual Fighter Fest. Um, as part again of their weekly pro- program, Dynamite. Uh, it was also it was a, a two week event. It was also the second event in AEW's of course. Welcome back to work. Of course, you know, like I said, we're welcoming the, the fans back and everything else. Um, and it was it was great, man. Like I said, oh, I, I got to, I've been in that building one time before. I had to, I covered some other event a long time ago, and unfortunately, that site was the was the site of a, of a major tragedy many many years ago, and so. Uh, because of that security still getting in and out of that place is really intense. Uh, but I grabbed my ticket, got in okay, and uh, I said I'd heard like, oh my god, wait, it's already wait, it's already started. What's going on here? The only thing is, is that there was zero reception in that building, zero. Like I was trying to tweet and and update people and kind of do what I was there to do in this capacity, and it just wasn't happening. So I just took pictures and enjoyed myself, and and man, it they came on strong. Let me let me go through some of the lineup here. One thing I really really appreciated was that, you know, they're on the on the up, right? But this still felt very much like like an old school regional kind of mid south, and I think that's probably on purpose. That's kind of. I know Tony Khan's got all the money in the world, even more so than Vince McMahon. So I think he kind of likes it kind of gritty or he's just saving money until this thing starts making money. I I, I don't know. But uh, but this was like a house show, man. I mean, even the security rails and like, uh, but I really appreciate the way the fans were treating each other. Now, I know that the fans of this product are super intense and super serious and they think that what they're doing is is somehow right and better and they they know everything and all that but but everybody was very cool especially after the nightmare we experienced at money in the bank and i talked about this on on that episode that i encourage you to check out and please i uh, hope you're subscribing to this is wrestling it's on iHeartRadio and spotify the google play store anywhere you get your podcast and and i promise you it wasn't just a bitch fest but it was something worth mentioning i, I, I just couldn't still can't believe that uh, somebody would, was so rude and so cruel and so just ugly and foul in public around children and all that. There was even a code of conduct that was listed on the bathrooms and on the walls at this event, the AEW event, and on the screens. I love that. I appreciate AEW doing that. And the show starts with Cody before they went on air, going, coming out, and then he, he spots some fans like way up and they, they're holding a sign or... Or, or I think what happened was they had won some type of um, lottery or something. There was some drawing. And Cody goes, you know what? We got a few minutes before we go live. Why don't you come on down instead of having to like come find me after the show? And and he walked him like this family into the ring and all that. And that's, that's something you might not have saw, uh, you know, if you were watching it on television. So that was so super cool. And I and Cody's such, such a great guy. And I just found out him, him and his brother, his brother and I had the same uh, legal team. <laughs> uh, his brother Dustin was was c- coming out as I was going into my lawyer's office uh, f- about a week ago, and 
I just love that whole thing. And they have a have a reality show, him and his wife now, because they have a, a child called Roads to the Top that I've I've seen the first three episodes of um, that are great. Uh, most of those reality shows just, just kind of seem the same and kind of lame. But this, this actually is pretty cool. It kind of pulls back the curtain and, and, and does a, g- a good job. Surprisingly, I really like Miz, uh, Miz and Mrs. I'm not a Miz fan, but boy, am I a massive fan of his wife. Uh, and she's definitely the star of that show. And her mom kind of steals all the scenes, too. There was one recently that was just hilarious. But, man, this show started out strong. Uh, it was Chris Jericho against Sean Spears with Tully Blanchard. It's so great to see an old-school guy like that. And, of course, Sean Spears wrestled as um, Ty Dillinger, who it was, the Perfect Ten or whatever, in, uh, in um, WWE, of course. And... Uh, the simulation only applied to Spears. It was like a chairs match. So Jericho had to wrestle under normal singles match rules, but Sean got to actually use chairs, uh, and it was uh, it was intense. It was a bit of a of, of, of a melee. Check this out. Kicking out Sean Spears. Could be trying to soften Jericho up for that C4, that Death Valley driver maneuver that he likes to use to target the C4 yeah, vertebrae. Here we go, and back to that injured arm is Jericho. Get out of there, Spears. Jericho's got the momentum. Jericho is feeling it. This crowd is feeling it. Yeah, JR, he's feeling the fire. Oh, oh, my God. That shot could be it. It's over. No. Jericho able to like the throw. Oh, there are times it's over. But now the chair across the spine. Absolutely. Just to mention the walls of Jericho, Canadian or Canadian. Devious hit him with it. it. That's okay. Oh, Jericho escapes out and spears oh. him, crashing into the chair. And one thing I wanted to mention was that actually I'll come back to that. But um the next match. Uh, was Doc Gallows, with, of course, with his buddy Carl Anderson, uh, against Frankie Kazarian in a singles match. And, of course, Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson, of course, they wrestled um, in the WWE uh, as a great tag team. And, of course, they were kind of part of this kind of knockoff of, of what they were in New Japan is, is the Bullet Club. They were called the OC. And they were surprisingly part of this uh, most recent uh 
thing of budget cuts. It seems like everybody's been been cut. They say due to, to the pandemic. Some say that WWE is being sold. I don't know. I I, I can't see that that happening. But um, but yeah. So and then they went to Impact Wrestling, which was kind of strange. I thought went back to there, but I guess there was some weird timing. But but now it looks like that they're a part of AEW. And there's this thing called the Forbidden Door that I I don't quite. I wouldn't be the one to articulate that. I guess what that means is is that if you're not WWE and and you're you're more of these other types of promotions that you can kind of come and go as you please and whereas before it had to be exclusive i think that's just what it means it means it means non-exclusive but uh but i think you kind of need to identify with 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 one promotion that you know during your runs and and they are apparently they're all elite now uh the next match uh it was so cool because like how each one seemed to come out with like an old school guy now i will say one thing one cr- criticism that i do have about AEW is if you're new to the product or new to wrestling period, they don't make it that easy on you. Like it's strange how every wrestler like you know co- you know coming up next or his you know his challenger is Roy Turner and then Roy Turner who's not me, I am Roy Turner but you get see what I'm saying, comes out with like eight people. And if you don't know who Roy Turner is, did you don't like which one is he? See the one in the middle? And then they'll cut to a promo, kind of go, yeah, we're going to talk to to Michael Anthony. And then you cut, and there's nine people, and they're all talking. Which one is Michael Anthony? That That's a little frustrating. So, you know, and there's sometimes less is more, man. It, it, it seems like every wrestler comes out with like six dudes, man. Like, why is everything so huge? Sometimes coming out by yourself shows a lot more strength, but I am loving seeing some of these old school guys. And I know a lot of people, you know, want to say AEW is like a bunch of WWE reject, whatever. I don't get into all that, all that kind of talk. I just know I like seeing people I recognize, especially, you know, the older guys from whenever I was a kid. So Darby Allen comes out with Sting, which is a great, uh, you know, little pairing there. They both do the makeup and kind of the, the thing. And Darby Allen's a great, great talent. Uh, and, and against a guy named uh, Willard Yuta, uh, who was out there with a guy named Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy really represents this kind of generation, whatever, why, whatever the current generation is. He's got kind of got the asshole millennial haircut and the apathy kind of thing going on, whatever. So anyway, I would never be dismissive of something I, that I'm not the demographic for. But uh, the young people love that guy. And it was uh, and it was a great match. Uh, the next match was probably the one I was looking forward to the most that I that I was aware that was happening. Like I said, it was after getting there, there was so much going on that I wasn't aware of what was happening. And I think it really also overwhelmed. I'll say this. I hope that the, the event coming up on the 15th is better in terms of there. They were so understaffed lines to get drinks and food were miles long. They had one table for merch. I, I, they've done a quantum leap. Uh uh, you know, since then. So maybe, maybe by the time December rolls around, uh, they'll have it together a little bit more. Um, but the next match was the one I was really, really looking forward to the most. And just to show you something too, they, they let these the women's matches go is, you know, like they need to go. This match was longer than the previous two matches, the Doc Gallows Kazarian and the Allen Cat, um, Wheeler Yuta match was your girl, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. I do that every single time. I'm such a nerd. Every time I'm on, she's on screen. I, I, not only do I do it with her, I even do the thing with my fingers, like the hand. Uh, 
because I'm a big nerd. But she's so awesome, man. And she comes out, of course, with Rebel and uh, and against Nyla Rose, who was there with another old schooler, Vicky Guerrero. And that match went 12 minutes long. Check this out. She's a baddest bitch on the block, referring to the champion. Unless that's disproved here tonight by a bigger, larger, number one contender opponent in Nyla Rose. Oh, she's got it. The lock jaw is very nearly cinched oh, in, but right, in the face. right across the bridge of the nose, those shots from the number one contender. Oh. Oh. Counters. No. Oh, God, we're going to do all oh, no. All oh, no. oh, the fans love it. We're seeing one hell of a competitive matchup here for the AEW Women's World title. One fall. And these ladies are kicking this thing into another gear. Not another one. Nyla Rose for the beast bomb again. Oh. Britt. Oh, great trip. Great takedown. And she floats over into the lockjaw. Looking for it. Looking for it. Looking for it. Lock those. There it is. She's got it locked in. Lockjaw from the dentist and the champion. Yes. And she's saying yes. Oh, she takes it. There's a tap out. She won it. And next, I mentioned the guy, the Orange Cassidy guy. Um, he comes out with a, a, a great female competitor, uh, Chris Statlander. Um, and he faced the Blade, who comes out with my favorite female wrestler on the AEW roster and maybe my favorite wrestle, female wrestler or just wrestler, period, on any roster. And that is Lauren Dennis, who now goes by the Bunny. It, she is so magnetic and so perfect for this business in this industry. She's believable. She's good looking. She's capable. She's got it all, man. Like I mean, we're talking like it, like like the Hulk Hogan it. And I, they really need to push her further. I don't, I don't think any promotion she's ever been in, they've ever just given her the keys to the fucking kingdom, and they need to, in my opinion. I think that she is, she's the absolute best there is. Uh, next up was uh, kind of an old schooler guy, uh, Lance Archer, who came out with a total old school guy. One of my old time favorites was Jake the Snake Roberts. And that was the thing I was going to mention earlier, and I'll mention it here in a second. Um, he came out with, uh, he was facing uh, John Moxley, of course, formerly Dean Ambrose, who is now an AEW um and this was one of those super duper gory matches, man. It was it was a Texas death match for a, 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 some other title that's not a part of. I said again, once again that that Forbidden Door thing with uh, IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship, and the match can only be won by knockout or submission. I, I, I'm gonna be honest with you. I was trying to. I watched about half, about a third of this, and I was out of there. I, I couldn't deal with. Um, all of that <laughs> gore and blood and stuff, and I got to be honest, I'm not the world's biggest John Moxley, Dean Ambrose fan, uh, but I kind of am now. Now that I, I how outspoken he's been, uh, obviously his wife R Renee is awesome. I'm a big fan of hers, and he recently just uh, published his memoirs, or at least uh, some type of 
autobiography about you know his experiences so far in the wrestling business. He's still he's still a young guy with many years ahead of him. Um, but uh, I I loved how outspoken he was. I loved where he was coming from. I even liked how he handled it. He kind of did it, you know very classy. So I'm 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 becoming a fan of his. I'm just never gonna be a fan of that style of wrestling. I. I I, I, the blood and guts and the gore and all that, I just, I can't do it, man. Not for me. Uh, so so that's probably why there were so many more matches because the actual matches for what was considered, I guess, to be the dynamite taping uh, for Fighter Fest was actually only six matches long. Uh, but man, that was, that was not all there was, let me tell you. We're going to get into a whole lot more uh, and we're going to come right back after this message from our sponsors. While we take a short commercial break, you should too from trying to get yourself over. And since you're listening to this, you probably have disposable income. So let our great sponsors tell you how to put it to good use. Now back to the action. All right. Again, I hope you're subscribing and and following along with us. We're we're having a lot of fun, a lot of events coming up and a lot that, um, that we uh, are also kind of sports, combat sports. It may not be just wrestling. We may, I may have to change the name of the show. Uh, but I wanted to talk about this. Is it Jake Roberts also, like I said, this, this crazy week in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and just in Texas in general. Like I said, you had night one of Fighter Fest in Houston. A few days later, WWE has their first event back with fans on their SmackDown. Then that Sunday in Fort Worth was Money in the Bank. Next night in Dallas is uh, Monday Night Raw, the first Raw back. And then, of course, the next night is what we're talking about here, being Fighter Fighter Fest uh, Night 2. And then the next night, maybe it was two nights later, anyway, uh, was Jake Roberts was doing his kind of spoken word type kind of deal. Like, you know, a lot, a lot of these wrestlers, you know, to kind of make some extra cash, they have all these great stories. You know, Mick Foley does it. You know, he's kind of, he kind of... Um, spearheaded that movement like wait a minute you know because Mick Foley is kind of funny or at least Mick Foley thinks he's funny I love Mick but he's stick to the wrestling stories pal I, I, I appreciate you wanting to expand your horizons but whenever Mick tr- tries to be funny it's so cringe it's hard to take anyway but Jake Roberts is legitimately funny and you don't have to be funny. You don't have to do it at a comedy club, but that's typically where they do it because it's like, okay, a small venue where I can just get up with a microphone and tell stories. And uh, But this time, Jake was actually doing it at one of the most famous, you know, smaller music venues in Dallas-Fort Worth at Trees. And we're going to get into that uh, after we finish this because there's a bit to say about that as well. Okay, so check it out, man. So after, you know, the event ended, and like I said, at this point, I swear to you, I don't have the card in front of me, but I swear that there were like three or four matches that I missed. There was a whole bang of matches, like at least four or five of them. Seemed like all of them were part of the Jeff, the Matt Hardy family or something. Then we had the Dynamite taping, and then now we had what we're going to talk about now, which was the Dark Elevation. 13 more matches. That's literally more than twice as many that were part of the actual Dynamite taping. And I'm just going to go through a few of these. I'm going to go through, actually, I'm going to tell you all of them, but I'm only going to expand upon a few. Uh, Jungle Boy defeated Mark Quinn. Uh, My girl Thunder Rosa has defeated a local competitor. I think it was um, Red Velvet. That's who I think it was. 
and I've called many of the of, of both of those competitors matches. Uh, Angelico defeated Marco Stunt, and here was uh, a a match that I was really looking. I was really happy to see or at least a competitor. I love Amber Nova, and so I was stoked to see her. She lost her her contest against Yuka uh, Sakazaki. And some dude named Luchasaurus came out and defeated Jora Johal, Scorpio Sky versus my man Fuego del Sol, who that is a homegrown dude right there. See, I have called more matches from him, and I'm not looking for any sort of flame and glory, but I I'm the one that coined the phrase "flame on Fuego." When I was calling his matches at eight IHWE, he's a great dude. Seeing him on TV and getting his just just desserts is so awesome because that dude has worked his ass off. I've seen it firsthand. Congratulations, Fuego, uh, for being being making it to the show. Uh, okay, so here was hands down my favorite match of the evening, and so I'm so glad I did stick around, and that was. Ty Conti and Chris Statlander versus Maddie Rinkowski. And again, like I mentioned, my girl Lauren Dennis, the bunny. I love all four of those women. Ty Conti and Anna Jay are, are my favorite tag team right now. And um, so I was so glad to see Ty. And, I, and Chris Statlander is awesome. And Maddie Rinkowski, don't sleep on her, man. She can go and is kick ass, man. I dig her. And of course, I've already I've already have lamented how much I love Lauren Dennis uh, as the bunny, and I hope to see way more than that. They don't deserve to be on the dark show. They need to be part of the main event. All four of those are all main eventers. And uh, and Amber Nova, man, like I said, she's still kind of green, but she's got a great look, great attitude, um, and looks great in the ring. Uh, Lee Johnson uh, defeated Luther, uh, Brock Anderson, an old an old guy, my man Billy Gunn. And Colton Gunn defeated three local wrestlers. I, I, I didn't see that match. Uh, the Lucha Brothers defeated the Dark Order. Uh, Eddie Kingston defeated Serpentico. And the last few matches, I said I, I bailed and went to go see Faster Pussycat, which was Wardlow defeated Bear Bronson and, uh, and Pac, who used to be in WWE as Neville, or originally Adrian Neville. Of course, you know, eventually... Vince likes to keep shortening people's names. Bring back the Blackheart for Shotzi. Don't quit. Shotzi doesn't. It's Shotzi Blackheart. Say it with me. Um, <clears throat> anyway, excuse me. Uh, so he's part of AEW now. Pac. Uh, under the name Pac. And he defeated uh, Chuck Taylor. So like I said, all in all, it was a great night, man. Had a great time. Um, ran it. Saw a bunch, bunch of people from back in my HEW days. And as the... Is it kind of thinned a little bit during the dark matches, the dark elevation? You know, people just kind of made their way down to ringside. No one stopped them, and nobody took advantage of it. Nobody was an asshole. It was just great. I said the only thing is just the building itself. Um, I would love to see. You know, it's kind of cool. It's almost like they're they're ours right now. We're seeing them in the smaller market, in the smaller building. Uh, you know, in the very kind of loose kind of thing. You know, seeing them AA Center with full security and all that might might, might take the charm away from it. It was kind of like when NXT would come to Southside Ballroom and all that. But anyway, I, I think that they're on the fast track and it's only a matter of time. But I hope that for the show on December the 15th, though, that this building uh, has kind of got their shit together and realized, that, you know, what, what they're hosting. Um, all right. So I wanted to say before we close out uh, this one is that 
Okay. So check this out. So two nights later, Jake the Snake Roberts brought his never-ending dirty detail tour uh, to trees. Now, put a pin in that for a second because I want to tell you something a, a little lengthy to unpack for a second. Uh, I wasn't doing this show then, but I, I wish I had, and I may still do an episode on this. Uh, six years ago, and I didn't realize it was that long ago, in, uh, on, in January of, of 2015, I was at the Sundance Film Festival. And what's so cool, and it happened something like if you're a fan, this is like a dream come true. And But I walked into it innocently and, uh, and maybe undeservingly so. But anyway, um, while I was there at Sundance, there's also a independent film festival that runs concurrently called Slam Dance. And I was also doing double duty and covering that. And the press person uh, there, uh, my girl, Marissa um, Marquez, she was like, hey, are you, I've known her for a long time. She's like, hey, are you still still a, a, a wrestling fan? And I said, yeah. She goes, well, there's a wrestling fi- uh, movie in competition. Um, and it's called The Resurrection of Jake the Snake Roberts. You know who Jake the Snake Roberts is? And I was like, oh, hell yeah, I know who that is. Um, forgive me, guys. I'm going to say, oh, you're not qualified to do this show anymore. But I didn't know who Diamond Dallas Page was. I, I never, I've never seen one second of WCW. I didn't watch wrestling in the 90s. I stopped watching wrestling after... WrestleMania 8 and didn't pick up again to WrestleMania 17. So there's a all the attitude era stuff I've gone back in you know, retroactively, but I've just I've never got into the WCW stuff. So I didn't know who he was. So so if you know the movie, you know what I'm talking about. You know that it's basically this film uh, where Diamond Dallas. It's like a motivational film. It's actually almost like a commercial for DDP Yoga. Uh, but uh, Dallas uh, just. You know, he was a you know a, a fan, and, and almost like Jake was a bit of a mentor to him. So to kind of pay it back, um, he heard that Jake was in a bad way, and he wanted to get him to where he needed to be, and, and brought him into his house to let him live with him and put up with him, and get him on this program, and and, and then in the middle of that, apparently Scott Hall, with uh, of course you know Razor Ramon, was apparently at death's door. And so the the film the film talks about the redemption of both of the of, of them actually. So anyway, so while my so suddenly while my time at Sundance becomes about this film, it's during the Royal Rumble time, and I got to got invited to go to a freaking like Royal Rumble screening, like live party with, uh, and it was crazy. I mean, imagine this. Imagine, let's say, you probably have thrown your own, like, Super Bowl party or, like, this wasn't like a fan thing. It wasn't like, you know, like, hey, these wrestlers are going to, you know, have a small thing where, you know, X amount of fans can buy a ticket and kind of be a part of something intimate. No, no, no. This was the equivalent of your buddy saying, hey, man, we're having a Super Bowl party, and then you get there, but when you arrive... Sitting on the couch is Jake Roberts, Scott Hall, uh, uh, Sin Bodhi, who used to wrestle as Kazarni, who has since become a, a pretty good friend of ours, uh, and his girl Karen, who's super cool, big Faith No More fan, big Mike Patton fan like I am, and a couple other different wrestlers that I may have, have missed along the way, except for, Di- for Diamond, Dallas Page, he wasn't there. And if you know anything about the 2015 Royal Rumble, the reason why he wasn't there was because he was in the Rumble. And um, 
I could talk all day long about that experience. It was it was so great. I ended up spending the whole week with them. <clears throat> I was there for that party. I was there at both premieres of the um, of the film. Uh, the poster from that is hanging up in this very office right here. And me and speaking of of, of holidays, me and Dallas really connected on um, the movie It's a Wonderful Life. And I say I wasn't doing the show then. Well, here's what's funny. Dallas is the one who told me to do this podcast, not about wrestling, but the regular show called Tricky Kid Radio, which became later on. I my very the very first episode of Tricky Kid Radio was with Diamond Dallas Page, and it was a few months later at um, in Las Vegas at, uh, by the pool at the Hard Rock after he was being giving an award at the Cauliflower Alley Club that year. And that was the first one. And so since we started this show, This Is Wrestling, I took all the wrestling shows and brought it in here. So the very first episode of this show is that episode with with Dallas. I I encourage you to check that out. But I I bring up that time because uh, while we were in Vegas, a few months later during Cauliflower Alley, uh, Jake Roberts and his uh, um, his daughter Cody was there. She was also at that party. She cooked and she's awesome and she's great. She's kind of like his manager and kind of like his best friend and kind of reminds me of the, if you've seen the show um, uh, Jack and uh, and Ozzy's World where they kind of tour around the world and get into adventures. It's kind of what seems like is happening uh, with those two. So at least it was. Anyway, she's great. I love Cody. Cody Smith, if you're out there, uh, love you, girl. You're awesome. Okay, so, and he was doing his, believe it or not, in Vegas for a while, Hooters had their own hotel, and and this was as about as, as grassroots as it got. There was no money behind this. I don't even think he even rented out the room. I think he just told six people, and that's about how many people showed up. And the guy I mentioned, Sin Bodhi, uh, who wrestles at Kazarni, is like Jake's best friend, and Jake is his mentor. And he's a super neat guy, super talented. Seems like he can do anything. He he does tattoo artists. He has his own uh, promotion called Freak Show Wrestling, which is was so much fun in the uh, in the Southern California area. And anyway, he uh, he opened the show doing a little bit of his own. It was very entertaining, and it was very intimate because again, like I said, there was literally a dozen people at this thing. But Jake was hilarious. I know that one guy, I think it's Dan Soder, who does like the best like macho man um, impression. And everybody likes to think they can do a good impression. I like to think that I can do a pretty good impression, but comparatively, no. But dude, before I saw Dan, Jake Roberts has it. And it's almost as good because he's actually been, was actually was around Randy. Whereas I'm sure this this Dan guy never... um, Never was, but man, if you haven't seen or heard Dan Sauter's impression, it's it's one of the best impressions of anybody by somebody else ever. It's just he becomes him. It's it's a magical, magical talent to witness. Anyway, so I tell you all of this because it was fun and it was great and and we had a good time and 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 Jake was hilarious as hell. And so okay. So, again, I guess I'd forgotten how, how much time had gone by. So when I heard that Jake was in town and he was going to be doing it uh, at Trees, no less, I was like, hell yeah, man. And um, 
And so I got down there. Now, across the street from Trees is a club called, in Deep Ellum, called Three Links. Now, Three Links is run. One of the Three Links uh, uh, is the guy who actually runs the day-to-day and, and, and is pretty much the face of the business. And it's a guy named Scott Beggs. And Scott and I have been great friends for over a quarter of a century. Um, he's one of my favorite people in the world. And uh, we have a great friendship. And so, and I hadn't seen him for a while because of this whole COVID thing. And he's a big wrestling fan. And before I even had a chance to call him, um, I'm at the bar at Trees. Uh, and him and Chris McDonald, who was I saw at Fighter Fest the, the couple days before prior, see me and they come up and they're like, hey, you know, what is this? What can we expect? What's going on? And I like, you know, I glowed about it. I was like, told you what I'm just telling you right now. Hey, man, a few years ago, I saw this in Vegas. It was so much fun. It was great. This is going to be a good night. Now, again, this is about is, again, even more grassroots. All it was how this happened because they don't they don't know what they're doing in terms of booking and I'm not Jake here and, and everything else. Uh, again, I love Cody, but they, but they, they again they don't have a promoter and a booking agent and going through all your normal channels. All this was was some fan, and 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 I have been I wouldn't say that fan in terms of wrestling, but I've been that fan uh, that was trying to do something. Uh, within my means that meant a lot to me. And that's what this guy was doing. So total props to him. Because he also doesn't know what he's doing either. He's never done it before. So anyway, so he, so this fan, I guess, rent out trees, had a couple of flyers uh, printed up and did like a Facebook promotion. And once again, about a dozen people showed up. It was also was on like a Thursday night or Wednesday or Thursday night. And uh, anyway... And I didn't know, because I had just seen Jake, it seems like, just like I said, like a couple of months before, he had come out with, um, you know, at the, at the wrestling show. So I, I was shocked when he came out. He was wearing like an oxygen bag, and he looked terrible. Like, I mean, he sounded terrible. He, lo- he looked like he was once again at death's door. And now he's, he's that guy who like smoked so much that he's like, wearing like wearing it like an oxygen like bag and it, it was it was hard to get through this those people who have emphysema and how it's hard listening to them talk uh because it's just it's just painful because you just know like golly that it feels like it, it it feels like it's hurt it's 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 painful for you to talk so it's also painful to listen not to mention just the actual cadence and the sound that it makes and he couldn't make out a lot of what he was saying. And I was like, this is a fucking train wreck, man. But the worst part of it all, even if he was in fine form and fine voice, because in in, in, uh, in in Vegas, you know, he was standing and moving around and very animated. This he's sitting down. He looks like you're visiting your grandpa at the nursing home and people i mean you know you didn't really have a whole lot of right to charge money for this that was and it was like 30 dollars to get in and he only talked for like 40 minutes it's like 40 minutes for 30 bucks and the worst of it is is most of that 30 minutes was him telling the absolute worst story i don't want to repeat it because i don't want this in your head but those of you out there probably know the mr fuji story about how he got some, who was, who, I don't know how he never saw jail time for this, but apparently there was some upstart wrestlers in a territory and WWF who had a pet 
and somehow, and I don't want to tell you again, but Mr. Fuji, they were talking shit to Mr. Fuji, and he got uh, revenge. I don't know why he just didn't just, you know, toilet paper to their house. Instead, he did something to the pet, which uh, it's 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 hard to even believe that this happened. But so many people have corroborated it that I can't believe it. And I, and I just don't know why he chose that story out of out of all out of, out of any story you could have told. So I hope Jake gets the feeling better. I hope he gets it together and all that. But man, that was rough. <laughs> that was a that was a kind of that was a brutal thing. Uh, okay, so. So we got so much more episodes coming up. Of course, our next episode, of course, will be with the WWE's second biggest event of the year, which is SummerSlam. Uh, and then AEW um, has got a big, big event. Their all-out event is uh, happening in Chicago, and there could be a big surprise there. So we'll have to see. So anyway, I uh, hope you guys will, will come back and join us and join these chats. Like I said, you, know, you can get the results anywhere. I just I, I like to tell stories and and tell like a people's history and all that. But it's great to see AEW uh, here in Texas. I'm looking forward to them returning back in December. And I look forward to you guys returning to join us back next week as we cover WWE SummerSlam 2021. Have a great week. Ring the bell. That does it for us this week. We hope you had a slamming good time and be sure to join us next week for more in-ring action. This has been a presentation of Tricky Kid Media Originals, distributed by iHeartRadio, created and directed by Roy Turner, edited and mastered by Marcus Miller, theme music by The Buckpets, original score by Jocelyn Hunt, artwork by Antora Sandy, marketing and PR by Francesca Miles. Tricky Kid Radio is hosted by Roy Turner with introductions by me, Dana French. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next week.